I've reported other people's stories for a long time, confronting people in power. But behind this broadcast voice, I've hidden my greatest secret. I was in an abusive marriage. It lasted a year, but it changed my life. Part of me always blamed myself for what happened, and I've lived with the shame. So many of us live like this. It's time we change that. I'm Anna Maria Tremonti. Welcome to Paradise is my story. Available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. You're listening to White Coat Black Art in the Summer. This is an encore of an episode that aired this January. Menopause will affect half of us. Still, it's misunderstood, mysterious, and sometimes mocked. When it comes to perimenopause, well, that's even less understood. Listen to this bit from the CBC's Baroness Von Sketch Show. I can't sleep. I'm hot all the time. My moods are up and down. I, like, burst into tears for absolutely no reason. Like, is it, um, is it perimenopause? Oh, I don't know. Is it? What do you mean? You're, you're my doctor. What? Oh, it could be. There's not really much research. I mean, who really cares, right? But the one thing we do know is that it can last up to 10 years. 10 years? Or more. What? Or less. I don't know what else to tell you. That's a satiric take with a huge grain of truth. Women have told me they don't get the support they want and need from their primary care provider. They say they're unprepared for menopause and undertreated. And health-wise, there's a lot at stake. The menopause transition brings huge changes to heart or bone health, metabolism, body temperature, which can lead to health problems down the road. What's changing now is that women are speaking out, part of a movement to get more support for menopause. For a long time, we have wanted to do this show, but frankly, I've been reluctant to do a show about an all-too-common experience among women that I will never experience. Fortunately for this show, we have the perfect co-host. Hello, hello, hello. It looks like it's recording. Our highly esteemed senior producer, Colleen Ross. Hi, Colleen. Hi, Brian. Nice to talk to you. How do you feel about being on this side of the gurney? Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to approach it like a producer and figure out all the things that are that need to be changed later on, but uh, it's great. I mean, just letting go. Well, you know what they say about a doctor who treats himself or herself, that they have a fool for a patient. <laughs> so don't do that. Perhaps a similar thing. Although, am I the patient here? Yes, we're going to get into that. And I need to ask, we need to come clean right off the bat. What made you want to look into menopause health? Yes, let's come clean. So the big one is that in the last year, all these weird things started happening with me. So I had some memory lapses. Uh, I had some increased anxiety that wasn't really related to anything I could find. Sleep disruptions. I mean, before I could sleep through a tornado, I tell you. But these were all kind of vague symptoms. They weren't connected to anything that I could think of. Uh, I just felt really off. So I wondered what was going on with me. So how did you connect those symptoms to perimenopause? So I talked with my friends, did a lot of research, some deep dives online, and all of this didn't feel like enough to go to my doctor, right? Because they seemed like such general symptoms, as I mentioned, and nothing was really wrong with me. But I eventually figured out through all of that sleuthing that I must be going through the early stages of perimenopause. Like that made sense to me. And I heard from friends that they went through a similar process and didn't necessarily feel prepared for what was going on with their bodies. It just kind of happened. So, you know, you're a person experiencing this and you're also a journalist and you applied your journalistic skills to this topic. Where did you go after that? 
Right. So like around this time, a survey came out from the Menopause Foundation of Canada, and it was a Léger Canada survey. It included about a thousand Canadian women age 40 to 60, and about half of those women said they felt unprepared for the menopause transition. Many weren't aware of even common menopause symptoms, and about 70% of the women who sought medical advice found it inadequate. So that was happening. Another thing that was happening and has been happening for a little while now is that celebrities like Oprah, Michelle Obama are talking about it. Canadian gynecologist Dr. Jen Gunter wrote a best-selling book about menopause, and there's a booming industry to go along with all of this. And so I wanted to hear more about women's experiences for our show. So we did a call out and we heard from quite a few women who felt unprepared, undertreated for menopause. And we'll have some of those voices later. And also like what we can do to improve the experience around menopause. And I want people listening to the show to know we have received a ton of stories. That's why we're, we're doing shows on this subject, because it's obviously one that resonates. And, and we're yeah. going to be hearing a lot more of those stories in the rest of this episode. But before we hear yeah. that, let's get some basics out of the way. Take us through the full experience that defines menopause. All right. So menopause occurs after a woman's menstrual period has stopped for 12 consecutive months. It's when the ovaries stop releasing eggs and reproductive hormones. And the years leading up to menopause are called perimenopause. And that's when the hormones are really fluctuating. And that's what we tend to hear about. And that period, as we heard from the quote doctor off the top, can last up to 10 years. So the years after the menopause are called postmenopause or just menopause. And you can be in those years for a long time, the rest of your life. Typically, women enter perimenopause in their 40s. You hit menopause, the average age is 51 in Canada. So let's talk first about perimenopause. What are the typical symptoms? So the common symptoms are hot flashes, night sweats, period changes, sleep disturbances, among others, but those are pretty common ones. But there are multiple symptoms of it. So the Canadian Menopause Society explains some of them and buckle up. So in addition to those hot flashes and night sweats, it can affect menstruation. It can affect the vagina, the bladder, sexual activity, sleep, mood and memory, bone health, and, and not to mention the body, just joint pain, weight gain, thinning hair, so that's a lot, and you can imagine why it's, it can be a bit overwhelming for, for some people. And the thing is, is that women, people with ovaries, don't necessarily know about all of these symptoms, and they can feel like they're not being properly treated for them, or they're not prepared for the severity of them. And, and to be clear, many women will go through the menopause years just fine. I'm hoping I am one of them. Uh, but for many others, there's a feeling that you just have to endure these symptoms. And you've tracked down a mm -hmm. number of women. When it comes to perimenopause, how unprepared and undertreated are they in their own words? Yeah, so we heard from more than a dozen women who shared their stories, but I'll feature four of them. Uh, it makes it easier to follow. So I'll start with Janet Coe in Mississauga, Ontario. So she was actually looking forward to not having a period anymore, and she thought she'd get a hot flash or two. But in her 40s, when she still had her period, she had all kinds of other unexpected symptoms, and one was involving her heart. I'll let her explain. I was having sleep disturbance, insomnia. I had night sweats, heart palpitations, and that frightened me because I started to think, do I have a heart issue? Went to multiple doctors. I even went to Emerge. You know, everybody told me, you're a really healthy woman. Your heart is fine. 
that was great, except I kept having the heart palpitations. So it would have been wonderful if somebody had said, well, you're a 40-something-year-old woman. Heart palpitations are just one of the many symptoms of perimenopause. So as Janet was saying, it's really scary, right, to have heart issues. And it's not a commonly known symptom. If you don't know what's happening, you can go to the worst case scenario. But th- but it can happen. It can happen due to changing hormone levels. And as our listeners know, I'm an emergency physician and, and I see this a lot. I've seen a lot of women who complain of palpitations in their perimenopausal years. And heart palpitations can be a direct result of lower levels of the hormone estrogen That leads to an overstimulation of the heart, and the overstimulation of the heart can lead to palpitations and a rapid heart rate. Uh, Fortunately, those heart rhythm disturbances are not life-threatening, but they're bothersome enough that women come to the emergency department. And of course, you know, we have to rule out heart attacks and rule out pulmonary embolus, blood clots in the lungs, all the, all the worst case scenarios that can happen. And very often we end up saying, well, there's nothing seriously wrong with you and off you go Hmm. with no relief. (laughs) At all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was the case in this experience. And Janet says that had she known more, she would have had more confidence, would have known what to expect. And that's a recurring theme that we're going to hear. But uh, she was so upset that she wanted to do something about it. So she co-founded the Menopause Foundation that I mentioned did the survey to break the silence and stigma of menopause. Wow, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, especially feeling the way she was feeling at the time. And, you know, I imagine that some of this is debilitating. Yes. Yeah. So you spoke with other women. What did they say about perimenopausal symptoms? Yeah, so I spoke with Sue Panton. She's a newly retired elementary teacher in Victoria. She's now 57. In her late 40s, early 50s, she had a wide range of issues. Some of it seemed normal to her, like hot flashes. But then she got these other symptoms that were surprising and worrying. And some of those issues included gastrointestinal issues, GI issues, and urinary tract infections. I kept waiting for the hot flashes and I would get them every once in a while in my late 40s. And then I started experiencing anxiety and really, really bad GI issues. And I'm trying to teach little seven-year-olds and run a house. And my dad has been diagnosed with cancer, just all the things that women are doing. And so the GI stuff got settled. Then then it was like whack-a-mole. I ended up with some genitourinary stuff. And I would go to my doctor and then come back negative and then I would go to the ER and I just couldn't figure out what was happening. I wasn't connecting the dots, nor was my GP. So I wanted to pick up on something that Sue said about, it's about being in that sandwich generation, raising kids, managing a career, caring for parents. And so many things can be happening physically in your body. It can be hard to know if it's perimenopause, right? So Sue says she ended up suffering through a lot of it because it took a long time to tie all of those symptoms together. Now, another woman I chatted with, Tempa Hull in Halifax, also had some serious health issues. So she had breathing problems in her late 40s. She said it was like having her lungs squeezed, like when you run in cold weather. And she particularly had this debilitating fatigue that she just wasn't prepared for. Sleep disturbances was the first thing I noticed. Normally, I was a perfect sleeper. I could go to sleep like that. I could get deep sleep. I could get right back to sleep. And that was what was happening if I was no longer able to get back to sleep. I was so tired all the time. And when you can't do regular biological functions and you don't really know why and you're not prepared for it, then you start freaking out even more. And then part of that was coinciding with hot flashes. So I just Googled stuff. 
because I had had a doctor at the time who really didn't know much. And then he wound up leaving me, wound up going to Ontario. He was a new doctor here in Nova Scotia and he got fed up and moved. But he wasn't really helping me much. He prescribed Zopacol, which is a sleeping agent. And, you know, Colleen, you know, I want to stop mm-hmm. you there. This is so telling because, you know, if, if a patient has disrupted sleep because they've got pain, you treat the pain. If they've mm-hmm. got restless leg syndrome, uh, which makes it hard for them to sleep, you treat the restless leg syndrome. And what you're saying is that this doctor took this patient, took Tempa, who had hot flashes at night and treated mm-hmm. the hot flashes with a sleeping pill. Yeah. So that's the thing. And you would know about this far more than I would. But what I was hearing from women is that part of the issue is that one symptom is treated, like fatigue, rather than seeing it as a larger suite of symptoms. So it can happen whether the woman isn't aware of it or the doctor isn't aware of it, but just tying those symptoms together is the thing. So it it can be really challenging to know what's going on for women, but also for the doctor. Now, you also spoke with women who experience what doctors call either medical or surgical menopause, which happens to women much earlier in life and it's caused by cancer, chemo, or radiation, or having the ovaries removed, uh, or diseases that damage the ovaries. I, you know, I'm wondering if the experience is different for those women because they're told it's about to happen. Well, it would be different if they were told it was about to happen, but sometimes they're not. And that's what happened to Julie Smith. She's a, a government worker in Halifax. At 47, she had a hysterectomy due to fibroids, but she still had one ovary. So she says she wasn't told she could go into menopause, but she was getting a lot of the symptoms. So she talked to her doctor about it. I said, these hot flashes are severe. I said, I'm losing sleep. I'm cranky. Sex life was, you know, none because my body heat was just too uncomfortable, right? And so, and then I started losing my hair. That's why I keep my hair really, really short. I used to have really nice, long, thick hair. I'm like, what is going on here? And, you know, I don't care what anybody says. If your hair's not looking good, you don't look good and you don't feel good, right? (laughs) So for me, it was that and then the belly fat. I couldn't, it didn't matter how much exercise I did, that belly fat was still always there. So was it that you went through that? Yeah, I wasn't told told about it. Right, Um, because I would have been able to prepare myself for it. Yeah. So Julie was in frequent contact with her family doctor, but said that neither of them thought that it was menopause because she still had one ovary. She just thought she was going through something, getting older. So they tried all kinds of different solutions before she ended up getting some solid relief. And, you know, one thing we, we you know, that you can sense with Julie is, and, and I know it's true of, of other women I've spoken with, who have these physical symptoms, but they also have enormous emotional fallout. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you say more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So you hear a lot about memory problems, which is what I flagged off the top. I I did find that was quite a big one for me. And just as a a little anecdote, I kept leaving my bike helmet on my handlebars before I entered the CBC building. I would just say, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. And then I would always forget it, but I wouldn't even notice until the end of the day. So I made myself keep it on my head until I got through the main doors. And then uh, that's the way I kind of dealt with it. But that's memory. And there's maybe kind of funny anecdotes related to that. Sometimes not. Sometimes it can be, you know, worrisome. But like on a more serious level, the, the woman who contacted us spoke a lot about increased anxiety, even depression. 
And this can all lead to feeling overwhelmed so that you snap at people. You hear a lot about anger issues uh, through the perimenopause years. And you can feel sometimes like you're losing it, like what's going on? You just know that you're not yourself. And all of this, as you can imagine, can really weigh you down, especially if you don't feel supported. So you've talked about physical symptoms, you've talked about mental health symptoms, emotional symptoms, cognitive symptoms. How do all of these symptoms and experiences affect the lives of these women? So untreated perimenopause really affected uh, their personal lives and their work lives. So let's go back to Sue Panton. That's the elementary teacher in Victoria. She found that it was affecting her ability to work. She ended up reducing her time in the classroom to four days a week to help her have time to sleep and recharge, especially in those last few years before she took an early retirement. The perimenopause symptoms really shook me, made me reevaluate my life. I recognized that the world doesn't stop. And I thought, okay, so what's the end game on this? Working at sort of like 30% capacity, or I actually have a quality of life. So these symptoms, figuring out what they are, trying to get them treated, it can really upend the lives of women, people with ovaries. We said off the top that women feel their symptoms are underplayed and even dismissed, leaving them misunderstood by healthcare providers and even misunderstood by their loved ones. Can you say more about that? Absolutely. So this was an interesting one to me. Julie Smith, uh, she found that her lower sexual drive was really affecting her marriage. And she was like, she was really unprepared for that. And so was her husband. My husband couldn't understand, right, what I was going through. And I'll tell you, there was times that I could have walked away. I could have just left because I couldn't handle the pressure of wanting to have sex and knowing how the hot flashes and the dryness. And that was uncomfortable, right? He was like, you know, come on, Julie, like to the point that he could, would stop talking to me. And I'd be like, what's going on now? Oh, I just can't understand why your body's going through this. I'm like, I wish I could answer that for you. <laughs> you know, do you think I enjoy this? No, I would love to have this kind of intimacy with you. But the sex drive was like none. So for me, um, it was a very difficult couple of years, put it that way. You could hear the frustration, right, in her voice. And she actually had her doctor chat with her husband. And the doctor explained that at this time in Julie's life, her body is going through a lot of changes and doesn't need added pressure. And Julie says that that really helped. It's just, it's another example of women feeling they wanted to know more about what to expect and feel more support in their menopause journey. We'll be right back. The climate is changing. So are we. I'm Laura Lynch, and I host What on Earth? That's CBC's Climate Solutions podcast. Twice a week, we take you around the world to find the people who are trying to build a better future for all of us. We explore Indigenous science, new technologies. We talk openly about mental health and climate anxiety. We also take your smart questions all the time. Come find What on Earth wherever you get your podcasts. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment, but you're listening to White Coat Black Art. This week, our senior producer, Colleen Ross, is with me in the studio to tell the stories of women who've had menopause symptoms that worried, even scared them, and that they don't get a lot of recognition, support, and effective treatment from healthcare providers. Colleen, why is it so important to recognize and treat menopause symptoms? Well, the decline of a woman's natural hormones during menopause can have some of the immediate effects that we've just heard about, uh, like the hot flashes, the night sweats, the vagina and bladder issues, the sleep disturbances, etc. 
And, and all that can compound health problems down the line, but especially in postmenopause, and that's when it's been more than 12 months since your last period, and that's when estrogen levels can significantly drop. And then that can increase risk of cardiovascular disease, osteoporosis, which is like bone loss, and then, of course, risk of fractures. And that's why Canadian menopause experts like Dr. Wendy Wolfman say getting access to timely care is critical, and we'll hear more from her in part two. And we're certainly looking forward to that part of the conversation. How do these women find the medical help that they're looking for? So I would summarize it as a few things so that they read up a lot on their own. They talked to their friends, their mom to see what their experience was. Uh, Then they sought out specific medical help. So it speaks to the need for personalized treatment for uh, people during their menopause journey. Janet Coe got the help she needed with hormone replacement therapy, but it was a bit of a bumpy start. A family physician did offer for me to go on antidepressants and He said, I would feel better if I went on antidepressants. And I said, I'm not depressed. If you're a menopausal woman and you have these kinds of symptoms of hot flashes, night sweats, you should be offered menopause hormone therapy as long as there are no contraindications for you if you're an otherwise healthy woman. You know, part of the story is this outsized fear of menopause hormone therapy. And, you know, I hold my hand up. I was like most women. I certainly thought there's no way I'm taking that. It will give me cancer because of the negative headlines that we've all read. When I finally found um, an OB-GYN who was a menopause specialist, and when she explained not just the risks, but the actual benefits of going on menopause hormone therapy, I started to take that. I really got my life back. It was a lifesaver for me personally. And Colleen, you know, I I, I need to step in here because long mm-hmm. before I was the host of White Coat Black Art, I was the house doctor on CBC Radio 1 on afternoon shows across Canada. And we did lots. I, that was when those studies were showing a link between hormone replacement therapy, for instance, in breast cancer, and prescriptions fell off dramatically. So, so mm-hmm. what you're saying is that women are still experiencing the kind of blowback or the aftermath of that. It, it's surprising for that to be happening so much after the, the fact. It, there were 20 years ago, these trials by the Women's Health Initiative, and it found that risks outweighed the benefits of taking the hormone replacement therapy. But it, it has been actually shown to be an effective treatment for symptoms like hot flashes, night sweats, vaginal dryness, and updated Canadian guidelines say it's safe and effective for many women. Uh, and it is definitely something that we're going to drill down in part two. So how did some of the other women find help? Well, Julie Smith, she's the one who had the hysterectomy. She was really perplexed at what was happening to her. So she read up on menopause, talked to her friends, and her mom was the one who told her she was probably going through early menopause. So she went back to her family physician and she got prescribed estrogel, which is a form of hormone replacement therapy that's absorbed through the skin, and it's really helping her hot flashes. Sue Panton, she's the retired elementary teacher, she tried various things through perimenopause. This is something I heard from a lot of women. They just tried various means, right? So she went to her family doctor, a pharmacist, she went to a naturopath, she went to a pelvic floor specialist. She tried bioidentical hormones early on, and that helped with some things. But she was still experiencing uncomfortable symptoms, so she kept researching. And ultimately, she asked her family physician to refer her to a specialist, and she explains how it went. I was on every website you could find, and I found the North American Menopause Society. 
And on one of the tabs was a drop-down menu to find doctors who were NAMs qualified. And I found one in Victoria. I made an appointment to go back to my GP. And he said, okay, I think he recognized that he could prescribe me things, but he couldn't manage my hormones. So he turned his screen and he showed me the list of OBGYNs. He goes, how about him? And I said, is he nice? And he goes, well, he's thorough. And I said, nope. I want nice and supportive. Can I see her? And he looks, he says, well, it's a nine month wait. And I said, I don't care. And I got on her cancellation list and I got in in about three months and it was like a fork in the road. Can I say how much I love that she wanted someone nice? (laughs) It's important, right? So uh, for her, a specialist put Sue on a small amount of topical estrogen, which has helped her a lot. She also uses natural treatments. She changed her diet. Now it's mostly plant-based. She reduced dairy, caffeine, and alcohol. And she does uh, lots of exercise, but less intense training and more like regular walking and stretching. And she feels like she got her life back. And so all this to say is that these women, as you're hearing, had quite a messy way forward with their treatment, but they all found a personalized treatment that helped them out in the end. So what do these women say should be done at the end of the day to help others through the menopause transition? Right. So to be clear, most of the women I spoke with weren't blaming doctors or nurse practitioners, but there was an overriding feeling that there needs to be more support from health professionals. So to sum up, they felt that medical providers could get more training, like whether that's taking a course or using resources to be aware of the latest research and treatments. I also heard about the idea of more menopause clinics, like they would say for diabetes. So you'd not only be supported by medical professionals, but by other people going through menopause as well. Because as I've often heard, a lot of women feel alone going through this process. And then another thing was um, partners should be involved in in the discussions. So health professionals should either discuss or point them to resources to help them understand what their loved ones are going through. I mean, it's just so hard to know about something that even we women struggle to figure out. So You know, the idea is that if they're more informed, the hope is they could be more understanding and compassionate, but it's really, it's about creating a team. And, you know, something one of the women said to me has really stuck with me, that uh, menopause should be normalized and celebrated as it is in some parts of the world, because it's like a whole new stage of your life. So not something to be embarrassed about, but celebrated. Uh, Finally, Colleen, I wanted to bring it back to you. We began with your own story. Uh, How has your search helped you address or at least understand your own symptoms? It helped me feel less alone. It helped me normalize what is going on with me and put it in perspective. And now there's some ways to treat it, right? And also just to know what I really hope it's not, but what could be coming for me and how I can get support. It's just being, you know, knowledge is power. Well, Colleen, you know, I want to wish you personally, you know, good luck with that journey. And, and I hope it's an easy one uh, with lots of symptom relief and lots of uh, TLC and understanding. But I want to thank you for the work you've done. You've gathered a ton of stories. And I want to thank you for helping us cover something that has been long overdue. You are most welcome. Be sure to check out part two of our menopause series. We try to better understand the perspective of the primary care provider when it comes to menopause and what's out there in terms of treatment. And don't miss our episode of The Dose, where we answer listener questions about the menopause transition. Our show this week was produced by our senior producer, Colleen Ross, with help from Stephanie Dubois, Amina Zoffer, and Jeff Goods. Our digital writer is Brandy Wikely, and our digital producer is Ruby Buiza. That's medicine from my side of the gurney. I'm Brian Goldman. See you next week. 
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.